Hey, Happy New Year. Um, before, we have some announcements to make this morning. And uh, before we do that, we're in the process of, we've been putting down birthdays. So if we missed your birthday, get with uh, Carol about it. So we have some birthdays this month. Uh, Janice Bond. Uh, we have uh, Julie Burns, Joe Burns. Now, I've been told never to ask a woman her age. But, Joey, I'm going to ask your age. Where's he at? Hey, there you are. You're 21? 22. <laughs> Kathy Edwards has a birthday this month. Susan has a birthday. Uh, Sarah Yeary, uh, David Ford, and Jerry Tipton has a birthday. So, can, oh, wait, we have an anniversary, Sarah Yeary, not a birthday. That was an anniversary. All right. Uh, is that you, ma'am? Oh, she, I'm just teasing. Put her, put her on the spot, didn't I? All right, let, let's sing happy birthday. Now, I am not a singer. Yes, you have a birthday. Okay, Gary, how old are you? How old are you? 25? 35. Yes, how old are you going to be? Yeah. 17. Alan, how, how old are you going to be? 67. Can we give all of them a round of applause today? Now, Sarah Yuri, do you know how long they've been married? I keep messing them up. They start playing, and then I cut them off. Uh, huh? Leah's mom. Oh, okay. So my wife had to correct me on that. All right. Well, let's sing happy birthday. All right. I got you now. You can do it. Julie, I'm going to have you start because I'm not a singer. Hey, Julie. All right, I'm going to turn over to my wife real quick, and then after that, I get just a few announcements. Oh, oh yes, thank you. See, you can tell he's the man that does it. So. Okay, some of you are probably thinking, yay, he's back. Some of you are probably thinking, oh, no, he's back. So whatever the case is, uh, I'm really neither one today. I hope I get through this. I've used this phrase several times in the last week. I started thinking about things and I start crying like a two-year-old that mashed his finger in the door. So that may be something that y'all get to see for the first time. Uh, I'm not going to take 
offering today. I'm not going to do announcements today. And I'm not going to say stand up, get ready to sing today. Um, and that may be good for all of you. I don't know. Um, I usually try to have a little bit of humor up here when I'm here. Uh, and I really don't have a lot of that right now either, to be honest with you. And you all know. But what I have is a very personal thank you. From the bottom of my heart to each and every one of you for your thoughts, your love, and your prayers for me and my family. I can't really tell you how much it means to have the support from my family to help you get through times like this. It's not going to be easy, but I will make it eventually. And that's what I tell people. Somewhere, the pain will go down and the memories will rise. And that's the point I'm, I'm living for right now. But for the blessings that y'all gave us during this time, I really can't say thank you is not enough, but that's all I have is thank you. And I do appreciate each one of y'all. And I want you to know, if it ever comes to y'all, I will be there for you. Saying that you'll be there is okay, but actually you guys have actually been there. And that's better than saying it. And I mean, the, the people that's called, that's visited, um, I'm not real good at asking for anything or taking anything. I'm a whole lot better at giving. And some of you know that, and you brought stuff anyhow because you knew I would say no. And, and thank you to every one of y'all through the last three weeks that has got me to this point right here. And so, but anyhow, that's all. Turn it over to my wife, Stacy. Just have a quick reminder about the bridal shower that's today. It is for Jacqueline Turpin. She is getting married this month, and the bridal shower is at 2 p.m. It'll be after service, of course, at the Orr Building. The invitation is out on the back. Um, Yes, and it's in Wilson, 8th and Main, Wilson, and she's registered at pixiedustandthenot.com. Um, we want to go and we want to support her. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a good time. I'm excited about that. So just a reminder, 2 p.m. today, the Ore Building, and then we have the wedding invitation with the reception to follow on January 27th. This will be out in the foyer, and so will the bridal invitation if anybody needs to uh, look at where she's registered in the directions. The wedding is at 4 p.m. Just a couple things to remind her. There's Heart to Heart coming up uh, this week, if you'll notice the back uh, fellowship hall. And so, uh, ladies, um, 
this is a good time for churches to come together. We're, we're, we're about building bridges and connecting with other churches and individuals. And so God's been really working in those services. And so, uh, ladies, if you get a chance to go to that. Uh, today, we also have a baptism. Uh, we're gonna, I'm going to end my preaching, and you know that usually I, I'm going to have to really hold to myself to end my preaching today. So we're going to end a little early because we have three that are going to be baptized, a family that came forward in November and rededicated their life, and so we're excited about that. <clears throat> we also have our annual uh, business meeting coming up the 28th at 6 p.m. Uh, back in the fellowship hall. Also, there is a sign-up sheet for those that are members and in that, if, if you will look at the shine-up sheets, it's to nominate somebody. We have two openings on the board. We have two that are coming off as our normal schedule goes. And then we have, yearly, we have to vote on our secretary treasurer. So if you have a chance to fill that out, also write in, there's a, a, a little part in there that you can fill in what you would like to talk about at the annual business meeting. For the, it'd be good to get on our agenda this year. Also, don't forget, March 3rd, I'm going to make this real quick, our, we have a missionary, his name's Terrence Harris, he will be here. We will also, didn't we have a, a Rebecca Howell, we'll, didn't she say she was going to be here for that day? Uh, because we have a missions banquet after the service, and I'm excited about that. We're going to have kids d decorated. And, and suited up for that. So listen, missions is why the Assemblies of God, that's one of the main reasons why we were formed, is to reach the whole world for Jesus. And missionary just means sent one. Can I tell you, all of us are missionaries this morning. We're all sent by Jesus to preach the gospel and reach the lost. And then finally, March 24th, uh, we have Brother Wooten, our uh, uh, district superintendent, who will be here. And then March 23rd, we're going to have an Easter egg hunt. We have all this property. I like seeing kids go after eggs and we preach the gospel and we share the gospel so I'm excited about that if we can have our ushers at this time to come forward to take up our morning tithes and offerings yes Carol did I miss something you can still come forward that's okay she can make an announcement real quick Thank you, Carol. And I told Carol, raise your hand because I'll probably forget. And guess what I did? I forgot. Thank you, Carol. Ron, would you please pray for the... in worship now. We never end up here telling y'all to get up, so I guess that'll be my job for a little while until it gets back up here. Father, we just want to thank you this morning for the opportunity to come into your house, God, and to praise your holy name. Father, we are ready for anything that you have for us this morning. We ask that you would hold nothing back, Father. Just have your way in this service as we sing praises to you. There is a light that burns in the darkness. There is a hope that washes the fear away. 
There is a peace that settles around us It is a love that sets our hearts apart. Let's sing that again. There is a There is a light that burns in the darkness There is a hope that washes the fear away There is a peace that settles around us It is a love that sets our hearts in place Father, we're on our knees Father, we're on our knees With every heartbeat we bring you this offering Lord, come and fill this place There is a mercy strong enough to save. We feel it rising up from the ashes. There is a love that overcame the grave. There is a love that overcame the grave. Every heart we bring you this offering. Lord, come and fill this place. Father, we're crying out. Spirit, we need you now. Glorious love surrounds us. Lord, come and fill this place. And I will worship. You, I'll worship you, I'll worship you. 
that you would just flow through this sanctuary, Lord, this morning. Redeemed, prophesy and sing. Redeemed. 
fragrance of heaven, pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out, a holy anointing, the power of your presence, pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out. Yeah. 
Chronicles chapter 20, Jehoshaphat, a whole army came against them and they didn't know what to do. But they set their face to prayer and fasting. And a prophetic word came out and said, the battle is not yours, but it's God's. And we talked about this at Sunday school this morning, that they sent singers ahead of the army. And the singers began to worship. And as they began to worship, God put a confusion on the enemy and the enemy defeated itself. So if you're here this morning, I want to just invite you this morning. Yeah, give God praise for that. If you're battling something this morning, I'm going to invite you to come to the front and we're going to sing the song. And I'm, I'm not going to pray for you this morning. I mean, I'm going to say bring it before God and watch God do the battle for you. So if that's you this morning, would you just make your way to the front? And as it says shout, there's something about shouting to God. Remember when they walked around the walls of Jericho? That last time, what did they do? They shouted and the walls came down. Let's sing that song again. And when it says shout, you shout to God and say, God, I give you this. And all the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry. These bones will sing. Great are you, Lord. Keep singing it right there. 
they have come before your throne. It says to cast all your anxiety on him for he cares for you. God, as they brought forth everything in their life that they need to lay before you, whatever it is, whatever the issue is, you are more than able. You are beyond able. You can do all things, Father. Nothing is too hard for you. Whether it be healing, restoration, deliverance, 
reconciliation, financial provision, whatever it is, Lord, your name, your Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Lord, all the names, Jehovah Nisi, all those names, and tell who you are. Remind us this morning of who you are, Father, and that you love your children. And you work all things out for the good of those that love you and are called according to your purpose. And we thank you for all this in the mighty and awesome name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. You may be seated this morning. I'd like to dismiss the kids to go back at this time. We're going to have our those that are going to be helping with communion this morning we're going to be taking communion it's the first weekend in the first part of the year as they're passing this out I'm going to talk a little bit about some archaeological evidence you're thinking archaeological evidence during communion pastor there's a reason for it. I just watched a thing recently on CBN, and they have dug up old Shiloh. And I don't know if you know what Shiloh is. Shiloh was, before they built the temple, they had a thing called the tabernacle. And Shiloh was where they went, and they have actually found where the Holy of Holy is. They found where the Ark of the Covenant is. They found the spot where the animal of the lambs and the cows, just the right side of them, was sacrificed. And, and, or what that part was given to the priests. And they have found hundreds of thousands of bones. This is where God met. And that was the Old Testament. Now understand this. The blood in the Old Covenant only covered over the sins. It didn't remove the sin. Under the new covenant, under Jesus, his blood completely and totally removes our sin. I want you to think about that for a minute. Everything that you've ever done that's been bad, everything that I've ever done that's bad, when we ask Jesus in our heart, he took that sin and he cast it as far as the east is from the west and he remembered it no more. He is our sacrifice, and it only took one sacrifice. Think about it. They have found 100,000 bones, which just reiterates what the Scripture is. This is where Eli fell over dead when he found out that, that the, the, the Ark of the Covenant was taken. This is the same place that Hannah prayed. But can I tell you, that's great stuff, but it doesn't compare to what Jesus has inside of us, which is the Holy Spirit. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Before it resided in the Ark of the Covenant between the mercy seat and the seraphim on top of the Ark of the Covenant and in the Holy of Holies. But Jesus has opened up the way where the Holy of Holies is now in your heart because he says we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. We take communion in remembrance of what Jesus did on the cross. One, by one sacrifice, he has perfected forever those who are being made holy. Jesus perfected us. If you're born again this morning, that blood, that one sacrifice, the minute you said, Jesus, come into my life, he washed you, he cleansed you. Now we take this in remembrance of what he's done because the old is gone and the new is here. He has made us into a new creation.
Again, we have our good days, our bad days, our bad weeks, right? But that doesn't change who we are on the inside and what Jesus has accomplished. This represents his body that was broken and pierced. They're still passing them out. I'm just showing it to you. This represents his body that was pierced. Just like those animals that were sacrificed. Jesus sacrificed himself. His body was beaten for you and I. For all of us, it was beaten. It was pierced. In fact, they say that when the nails went in, it, the part that it went in was right here. And you have a nerve in your body that sends pain throughout your body when you're pierced here. In fact, it causes your thumbs to go in like this. So after Jesus died, his thumbs are in here because it, it severs that ligament that, that, that's there. Think of the pain inside of your foot. I don't know any of us. Anybody ever got a nail in your foot before? Now, make that a little bit bigger. Jesus did that for you and I. So when you think of this, and, and, and we often go through communion and it, it becomes monotonous. We don't want this to become something that's monotonous. We want it to be new every time we've taken it. I've known people to be healed from taking communion. You need healing in your body? Jesus died for that on the cross. You need deliverance? He died for that on the cross. You need reconciliation? He died for that on the cross. That's what his body did for you and I. And he offered it. And he said, Lord, here I am. So the scripture says Jesus offered himself and he said, here I am. Would you please hold this up that represents his body that was pierced for you and I. Would you please take in remembrance of what he's done for us. Would you please hold up the cup. We take this in remembrance of what he did and that he's washed us and cleansed us with his blood. But one day we're going to get to drink it with him anew in heaven. I want you to think about the glory and the excitement of that, that we're, we're, we're practicing what we're going to do with Jesus in heaven. And I can't wait for that day. This represents the blood that was shed for you on Calvary and washed you and cleansed you and made you right with God, imputed righteousness, not by works, lest anyone should boast, but by your, by your faith through grace. Would you please take this in remembrance of what he's done? Lord, thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your victory. Where, O oh, death, is your sting? Where, O oh, death, is your victory? It, it has been swallowed up in victory through you, Lord Jesus Christ. God, if you are for us, who can be against us? Jesus, again, we want to say thank you. Forgive us for the times that we've just gone through the motions. Forgive us for the times that we haven't acted the way that we should. And we say thank you for your forgiveness this morning. Thank you for washing us. Thank you for cleansing us. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen. Well, how's everybody been doing? Did you have a good New Year so far? 
It's hard to believe how fast time goes. We're going to be looking at this morning, Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 through 16. This is for our New Year's message. I normally don't do New Year's messages, but I just really sense God wanted me to. And it's the title, Keep Moving Forward. That, that title means that we need to keep pressing on. Keep pressing on. And we're going to look at that this morning in our walk with Jesus. So Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 through 16. The Apostle Paul says, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. And it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider, for the, uh, consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, as I share your word this morning, as, as your humble servant, I pray, Father, that you will speak through me. Do what you want to do. Say what you want to say. Open up our hearts this morning to the seed of your word. Let the soil of our hearts be pliable and soft to receive the word and produce fruit and grow. God, I pray again that each one of us will understand what you're saying this morning. Help us to do this this morning. Sometimes things aren't always easy, but through Christ, they are possible. Again, I am your vessel. I get it out of the way so you can speak. Holy Spirit, speak through me with the demonstration of your power in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. So the first thing that Paul speaks of in this passage to keep moving forward is we need to guard against. We need to guard against false teachers. And that's what Paul is speaking about. Now, understand, remember... When we started this series a while back, and you know, God kept interrupting, and I'm okay with God interrupting things. He's the boss. But he was in a maritime prison, and he was in a hole, and you can still find that prison today. And they said sewage went through there, and he was chained to a wall. And, and, and the whole theme of the book of Philippians is joy. 
Now, we've talked about that. How many of you guys like to be joyful? Yeah, I was listening to Chuck Swindoll the other day, and he was talking about uh, ministers, and he said, ministers should not be walking around going, ooh. He said, no, it should be a reward. We should be joyful. The same with us. Because we have, and I've spoken about this before, we have the joy of who inside of us. That doesn't mean we're not going to have bad days. How many of us have had bad days? That doesn't mean you're always going to have a smile on your face. There's a difference between happiness and joy. So Paul writes this, and he's talking about the theme of the whole book of Philippians, again, is joy, but he also wants to tell them, in order for them to move forward in their walk with God, they need to guard against false teachers. Look at verse 1 through 3, verses 1 through 3. He says, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. I love that. He starts it again. Rejoice. You'll find it in uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice. I will say it again. Rejoice. It means to shout to God. We did that this morning. I, I find it interesting that Christians have a hard time shouting to God, but we can for our football team or for a sport. He says, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. So what Paul's getting ready to tell us is a safeguard for us as believers. Moving forward in our walk with God, we need a safeguard. Anybody like feeling safe? That's why we put locks on our doors, right? Uh, you lock your car. Recently, our, our, our whole block, somebody broke into our cars. And uh, so now I, every night I go out and make sure it's locked. And I lock it because of a what? Safeguard. Some people have security uh, cameras now or, or that ring. You know, you, you push the ring and our neighbor has one that whistles at you and talks like a bird and says, we see you. We need safeguards, and Paul says these are safeguards for you. He says, verse 2, watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, these mutilators of the flesh. So he tells us to guard against, and, and these, these, these mutilators of the flesh are what we call false teachers. Now, he goes on to explain it a little bit here. So who were these false teachers Paul mentions here? They were what we call the Judaizers. The Judaizers were coming into the church and saying, oh, in order for you to be saved, you have to be circumcised. So all the males had to be circumcised. That's a Jewish thing. And, and so it was causing a lot of division within the church, and Paul even talks about it in Galatians. And so these false teachers were coming. And we're getting a lot of false teachers today within the church. They may not be Judaizers, but they're teaching things that are contrary to the Word of God. They're taking the, the, the Word of God and watering it down. As we go into this next year, we need to guard against false teaching. Be careful about every wind of doctrine that comes your way. If it doesn't line up with the Scripture or with the Bible, don't receive it. God gave us His Word for a direction, for a guard. So what did Paul call these Judaizers? He called them dogs and men who do evil. People that pervert the gospel. He even said, if an angel or even myself were to, for, were to change the gospel, let us be eternally condemned. He says that in Galatians. So we got to guard against false doctrine, false teaching. In fact, the Bible says in the last day, men won't put up with sound teaching. They won't put up with sound doctrine. Again, how do we guard against it? And here it is. We stick to the word and sound doctrine. Go with me real quick in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 
2 Timothy chapter 3. Look at verses 10 through 17. And then we'll get into chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. So we're going to read down. So 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul gives a charge to Timothy. He's a young pastor and he says, You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions and sufferings. What kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, in Iconium, in Lystra, in the persecutions I endured? Yet the Lord rescued me from them all. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Now, we haven't faced persecution like other countries, but it's coming. Get ready, it's coming. We've already seen it in them uh, censoring what we say and what we don't say. Listen, I got kicked off Facebook for a whole month last week, or last month, for preaching the gospel. I'm not going to apologize for preaching the gospel. Verse 13, while evil men and imposters will go from bad to worse. Do we see that today? deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of. Let me tell you, you better be convinced of the God's word. I, I, what's that old saying? Uh, if God's word says it, I believe it, and that what? Settles it. See, you guys know this. This is the Bible Belt. People should know that, right? And then he says in verse 15, how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, Paul, uh, Timothy had, a, had the privilege of his mother and his grandmother who were believers, and he, he got saved, so he had the word. That's why it says, raise up a child in the way he should go, and when he's older, he will not turn from it. You got some prodigals, I guarantee you the word is just sitting there speaking to them. You keep praying, mamas. You keep praying, daddies. You grandpa and grandmas keep praying for those prodigals. That word is going to come forth one of these days. And it's going to change them. So those holy scriptures will make us wise for salvation. Why? Because the Bible is what shows us the way and who to turn to for salvation. Then he says this in verse 16. All scripture is God-breathed. That means every word in this Bible was breathed by God. I think I've shared with you before, but... Oh, a few years ago, they found an old scroll because people uh, will question the legitimacy of the Bible. And they found an old scroll that was wrapped up that was burnt. And our technology today, that's crazy about our technology. It was able to unfold this thing without actually unfolding it by scanning through it. And besides a couple commas and grammatical errors, it has not changed from the book of Isaiah that we have today. That's because God's word will never pass away. So all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God, so that you and I may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God has given us his word as God breathed so that we can be thoroughly equipped. How many of us want to be thoroughly equipped? You go, you go fishing, you better have all your equipment. There have been times I forgot the right lures, and I went, oh, man, I drove all the way out here and didn't have everything I needed. It'd be like a hunter going out with a rifle but forgetting to take his shells with him. I'm going to kill something today. Oh, I forgot my bullets. This is our bullet. It equips us to do every good work. Are you doing good works for the Lord? Are you, are you doing things for him? Then look at chapter 4, verse 1. 
in the presence of God of Christ Jesus. Now understand, they didn't put chapters back then. So this is a continuous thought from Paul when he's writing to Timothy. We stop there and go, oh, well, it's the next thought. No, it's the same thought. He's continuing it. He says, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and the view of his appearing in his kingdom, hallelujah, that's the rapture and the second coming, I give you this charge, preach the word. I will never forget the day I got credentialed. I went through the process, certified license, but when I got ordained in 2005, November 8, 2005, Mark Rutland, he was the Southeastern Assemblies of God University president, Assemblies of God pastor. He preached on this, and I've never forgotten that. The charge that he gave us was pastors, and you'll hear me do this. I'm going to preach the Bible. You are to preach the word. Don't water it down. Don't change it to fit your needs. You change you to fit the Bible. Yeah, there should be more clap offerings from that. So he says, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. That means surround yourself with people that are godly. People that know the word more than you do. Listen to good preaching. Listen, there's some good preachers. That, I like listening to Dr. David Jeremiah. I'm going to mention his name. He's a good preacher. I like him. Chuck Swindoll. I, I like some of them. There's some really, Greg Laurie. Anybody listen? See, I know my preachers because I listen to them. Charles Stanley, who's in heaven now. He's with the Lord. Surround yourself. Listen to godly preaching or instruction. For the time will come, verse 3, when men will not put up with what? Sound doctrine. Instead, there's, to suit their own evil desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. When you look at that, it literally means they're going to turn aside to stories. Now, there's nothing wrong with me sharing a story of my life. But the number one thing that should be preached is the Word of God. My story should follow up with the Word. But there's going to come a time when people won't even be preaching out of the Word. And it's already happening. They'll come up with some beautiful story. And people are going to flock to it. They're not going to put up with sound doctrine. What is sound doctrine? What the Bible says. That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the only way. That he died on the cross for our sins, that we must be born again and saved and forgiven. That's sound doctrine. In order to get to heaven, you have to be what? Born of the Spirit. Born again. It means giving your life to Jesus, and he takes that old man and turns him into new. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. That means, again, things that aren't biblical. They're not true. A myth is, a, is, is not true. Anybody remember some of the uh, fairy tales that we used to listen to as kids or read? Those are fairy tales. They're myths. They're not true. But the Bible is truth. So in this next year, one of the things that Jesus said is, don't be deceived in the last days. That's the first thing he says. Don't be deceived. So in this next year, focus on the Bible. Focus sound doctrine. Stick to the truth. If somebody is teaching something that doesn't line up with the truth, run. Take your Bible. Even what I preach on Sunday mornings, because I'm not a perfect man. I'm going to get it wrong sometimes. 
You go back and you be a Berean and you study the scripture for yourself. Because I'm just a spokesman. And I make mistakes. How many of us make mistakes? And I share this every week. All of us do. So we're to guard. We're to stick to the word and sound doctrine. Be on guard against putting confidence in your flesh or what you have accomplished or do. Let's go back to Philippians here. Philippians chapter 3, verses 4 through 6. Look, let's start in verse 3. I like this. Paul talks about these, these dogs who mutilate the flesh, these Judaizers that said you have to add something to your salvation. Then he says in verse 3, For it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus and who have put no confidence in the flesh. That means our hearts are circumcised. The minute you get saved, Jesus circumcised your heart. It says he writes his word on the tablet of your hearts and your minds. He puts his Holy Spirit in you so that when you do something you shouldn't, he gives a little knock. Hey, that's wrong. Anybody ever have that before? Yeah, that's the nudge of the Holy Spirit. That's called conviction. And then he says this in verse 4, Though I myself have reasons for such confidence... If anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day. That was a Jewish thing. They were to be circumcised on the eighth day. Of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. Paul is saying... If anybody has a right to brag about being righteous or doing the right things, it was him. He did everything. You see, a Pharisee was to the letter of the law. In fact, they added like 632 laws that you had. Aren't you glad that we fall under grace? The things that they had to do, certain things that they couldn't do on what they call Shabbat, which is the Sabbath day. Certain things that they had to, uh, to accomplish, like if you were unclean, you had to go wash yourself, you couldn't associate with people for a few days. I am so glad I don't have to do that. Now, there are times I would love to do that just to get away, right? You ever watch those Southwestern Airlines commercials? Need to get away? So Paul says, if anybody has the right to brag, it's him, but he says, no. Don't put your confidence in your accomplishments Paul gave a grave warning to the Galatians for following these same guys, the Judaizers, and for putting confidence in the flesh. Look what he says here. Galatians 5, verses 2 through 4. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, again, confidence in the flesh, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to put justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. So don't put confidence in the flesh or even your accomplishments that you had this year. That's in the past. There's nothing wrong with saying, hey, those were good things. But sometimes we can dwell on the past things and not look forward to the things that God has for us today and into the future. We can miss those things. I've heard this a lot in churches. Man, in the good old days, God really moved. Yes, he did, but God wants to move in a new way. We can be so focused on what he did in the past, we miss what he's doing now. 
The second thing Paul says is to gain Christ. So this year, number one, don't put confidence in your flesh or your accomplishments. Number two, gain Christ. Look at verses 7 through 11. But what it was, whatever was to my profit, I now consider for the consider loss for the sake of Christ. Now, before he came to Christ, he was a Pharisee. But afterwards, he's saying, man, all that stuff doesn't compare to knowing Jesus. Even if you are saved this morning, the things that you've acquired, they can be taken from you. The things that you've accomplished. How many football teams do you remember their Super Bowls a few years ago? We get so excited about a football game, and then a few years later, we forget about it. How many of you guys know who uh, Coach Landry was for the Dallas Cowboys? Do you know he was not saved before he won, of course, uh, the first, I was born in 1977. Some of you guys are like, you're a youngin. But uh, Dallas beat my team, the Denver Broncos, in the Super Bowl. And that was his life's accomplishment. He said after the Super Bowl, he said he felt empty inside. It didn't fulfill him. It didn't feel that God-shaped hole in his heart. And he said he was invited to a Bible study one night and he ended up giving his life to Christ and for the first time in his life, he felt satisfied and content and he felt grace come over him. That's what it means to gain Christ and that's what happened to Paul. All that performance, working hard to try to please God, it didn't amount to anything. But the minute Jesus saved him, the minute he got saved and surrendered his life to him, it was accomplished. True profit comes from knowing and gaining Christ. Again, Paul considered his past accomplishments before Christ as rubbish. Now, the interesting thing about this word rubbish, it comes from the Greek word skabalon. And it, it means dung. Come on, some of you guys are ranchers this morning. You all know what dung is. I, when I worked at Tulsa County, I worked with a guy, he was a rancher, and he worked that job for a secondary job, and, and we'd play what we call pasture golf. And he'd set up sticks out in his pasture, and there would be times the ball would land in a patty. Y'all know what I mean by a patty. Have you ever swung at a golf, and he wouldn't let me move it? I always prayed it would land in a dry one. There were a few times it didn't. Boy, I was scrubbing myself good when I got home. It means dung. It means refuse, the excrement of animals, offscorings, or rubbish, or dregs. Paul says everything I accomplished before Christ was trash, dung. But now that I got Christ, it's so much greater. That's an accomplishment. You may say, but pastor, I don't feel like I've really accomplished anything for Jesus. Yes, you have. You've accepted Jesus in your heart. That's the greatest accomplishment of all. Yeah, that's a clap offering. Instead, Paul says he wants to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. I love that. So not only he calls these things in the past dung, and not only is he satisfied for Christ, but again, there's this thing. Jesus says we will, we, he will, we will never thirst again. But then on the flip side of that, when you ask Jesus in your life and you give your life, it's like you want to know him more.
Does that make sense? So let's go on here. What is more, verse 8, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. Look at verse 10. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings to become like him in his death and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. The word know here is gnotsko, which means to learn to know, come to know, get to know, knowledge or perceive. The, the, the real main meaning of this is sexual intercourse between a man and a woman. That's the, that's the Thayer's definition, the Strong's definition. The intimacy between a husband and wife is so close. That's what he's saying. I want to know Christ. So close that we're joined together. Boy, it really got quiet in here when I went to that next definition. Come on, we're all adults here. That's what he means there. There's, there's something beautiful. And, and that's, that shouldn't be something bad to talk about. A husband and wife together as they're married. Coming together is a beautiful thing in God's sight. He created it. And Paul is saying that to know Jesus is even greater than that. It's an intimacy. And Paul says, I want to know him more. So after you get saved, you don't want just a little bit. It's kind of like taste and see that the Lord is what? Good. I like fresh cooked bread. My wife makes it sometimes. She's got one of those bread makers. And I kind of get a little selfish sometimes. I'll get in there when it's done because I have to take it out because it's too hot. And I get that little fresh end of it. It's nice and soft and it tastes good. And I cut the end of it. And you put a little bit of butter on it. Put honey on it. You're all hungry, aren't you? <laughs> Listen, that is God. That is the Lord. And when you taste of him, you want more of him. Or you should. Number three. We need to move forward. Put no confidence in the flesh. Watch out for guard against false teachers. Gain Christ. And number three, move forward. The perfection Paul is referring to here in verse 12 is what we call Christ-likeness. Look at this, verse 12. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. A lot of the, even the commentaries that go on is talking about Christ-likeness, being more like Jesus. Again, that doesn't mean perfection. Because I make mistakes every day. I make mistakes during the week. But I try to make it right, and I try to do the right thing. It's becoming more like Him. I've shared with you, but I want to share with you again. The gold, when it's refined, they put it in a fire and they heat it up to get the dross to come to the surface. And they'll keep heating it up and they'll increase the heat. God sometimes increases the heat on us to bring all the dross. Remember, your spirit man's been set right and imputed with righteousness, but you still have this old flesh. 
that likes bread with honey and butter. And God wants to bring out and get rid of those things so that like gold, when gold is perfectly refined or even silver, it will reflect, you'll see your reflection in it. And God wants to see the reflection of his son in us. So Paul says, listen to this, he says, not that I have already obtained all this. He admits it, I'm not perfect, I haven't obtained all this yet. Or have already been made perfect. That happens when we get to heaven. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, verse 13, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward to what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul's desire in verse 12 is to pursue or press on to Christ-likeness. The word press comes from the Greek word dioko, which means to run swiftly in order to catch a person or thing or to run after. Anybody play tag as, as you were a kid? Did you ever play tag? You're running after to get somebody, right? Men, did you ever play tag with your wife? You wanted to get her, right? She's mine and I'm going to marry her. Paul says, that's what I do to be Christ-like in my walk with the Lord. I press on. I run swiftly to catch it. Paul states the only way to press on towards Christ-likeness is to forget what is behind. Our past can trip us up, whether good or bad. Faults and failures and struggles can trip us up. We need to let go of our past Failures, our past accomplishments, the ways of doing things, and even our difficulties. Instead, we need to press on to the new things God has in store for us. Look at Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Look at Isaiah 43, 18 through 20. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Now, there's nothing wrong with looking at the past. They, the Israelites used to set up pillars of faith to look back and go, oh, that's what God brought us through. But one of the things that they did is when, they, when, when Moses held up the snake in the wilderness after they rebelled against God and they were complaining, they, they got bit by vipers and they had to make a bronze snake up on a, up on a post and actually was in the shape of a cross, by the way. And the cross didn't come about until the Romans. God already had a plan. And as they looked at that snake, they would be healed. Well, eventually they made that into an idol. They started worshiping that instead of the God who made it and used it. So forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams of the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen. Look what, look what Goosey says. Because Paul realized that he had not arrived, there was only one option for him. He had to press on. There was no turning back for him. God, you're going to do a new thing this year. I believe God's doing new things in our lives. Believe him for that. God's doing new things in this church. Believe him for that. In our community, how about our nation? We really need to pray for our nation that God does new things. Can I tell you, when you begin to pray for your nation, God hears. 
I, I listened to a testimony recently when it talked about turn, and, and I got to make this quick because we got a baptismal to do. But uh, last a couple years ago, I think it was in 2020, they did a thing called turn. Bring him, uh, 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 and I think Jonathan Kahn and all these Christians went to Washington. You remember that? And they prayed. And that same day or hour, it was that the Supreme Court knocked down abortion. Yeah. That's a praise report. Those babies matter to God. I've got two in heaven I get to see one of these days. And so your prayers matter to God. Paul eventually took hold of the prize that he mentions in verse 14. I'm going to make this real quick. Go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Look at me in verses 6 through 8. This is at the end of Paul's life. He pressed on. He kept pressing on. He didn't quit. I find it inter interesting that not only did he want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, but also to share in his sufferings. We don't hear a lot about that, do we? How many of you guys want to share in suffering? No, everybody said no. Jesus said you'd have trouble in this life, but be a good cheer. He's overcome the world. Look what he says, verse 6. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. He knew he was going to be put to death. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. Paul wouldn't have put that in there unless he could have disqualified himself, as he says. He had kept the faith. Can I tell you this year? Keep the faith. Keep pressing on. Fight the good fight of faith. Stay in the race. Verse 8, now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. For the rapture of the church, when he says appearing, he's talking about the, the rapture. Which, whoa, that would be so cool if it happened right now. Come on, Lord. You guys are getting dumped in the water. Boom, we're out of here. It would be like, you know, Philip and the eunuch. Where'd he go? I don't know. Paul compares his walk to the Lord with the Lord like he is running in a race, and I've already mentioned that. Look at this. Because it is such a glorious call, it is worth reaching forward for it. The Greek word points out the strong ex ex exertions made in the race. Every muscle and nerve is exerted, and he puts forth every particle of his strength in running. He was running for life and running for his life. Adam C. Clarke in his commentary. Look what John MacArthur says, and we're going to close with this commentary. John MacArthur in his commentary says this, press on, the Greek word used of a sprinter and refers to aggressive, energetic action. Paul pursued sanctification with all of his might, straining every spiritual muscle to win the prize. Listen, I have some more slides, but we don't have time for it. But one thing that I could say, as we go into this next year, I could give you all these wonderful things, and, and this is what you could, listen, I'd rather preach the word and tell you what the word says. Press on towards what's ahead and forget what is behind. God, what do you got for me this year? And Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow, worry about each day. So God, what do you have for me this year? But also, what do you have for me today? What do you want me to accomplish for you today? Don't miss opportunities God has for you. There have been times I've been in the store and God dropped something in my heart and I shared it with somebody and they start crying. 
because God knows what they need. I had an opportunity to witness to somebody yesterday at Walmart. Here my girls are going to the bathroom. Here's another dad with his girls going to the bathroom. And he starts talking to me. And he starts bringing up scripture. Come on, don't miss the opportunities. If he starts talking scripture with you, and his language before that was not biblical language, if you get my drift. Now, I'm not saying just because you're saved, you don't have mistakes, you don't struggle with that. But I can tell, you look at the fruits. And we start talking about the Lord. And I can smell alcohol on his breath. God gives you opportunities. Don't miss them. Be ready in season and out of season. Love on people. Share the gospel with them. But do it with gentleness and respect. Hallelujah. So this next year, get ready for that. Ask the Lord, Lord, what would you have me do this year? What's your plan? One of the visions God's laid on me for this church is I, I want to start focusing on Love Long Grove days. Let's reach this community for Jesus. Let's build a bridge. Yeah. Let's get some coats and shoes for kids and moms and backpacks and we got time to do that. Now, that's a whole other time. I'll share that with you pretty soon. But for you guys that are getting baptized today, this is the beginning. This is God working. And God's, gonna got, got, God's got great things for in store for you. So now I'm going to invite you guys to go back, get ready. And if I can have those that are playing the music, I'm going to have her sing. I'm going back here in this area. So thankfully, it's got a lock on the door. So I'm going to change. But this is a good day. Anytime people are saying a declaration, declaring to the world what God has done inside of them, that's a wonderful thing. caught me off guard. He didn't tell me he wanted anybody to sing afterwards, so so he caught me off guard. Go ahead, Dennis. You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies to Lord 
This is Jordan Payne, and uh, Jordan, what does Jesus mean to you? What has he done for you? He's pulled me out of some pretty dark places. He got me out of that cage, and this is shutting the door for me. Amen. Behind me. So, I mean, he's, he's done everything for me. I don't even know how to summarize it up. But, yeah. yeah, praise the Lord. Now, due to time constraints, because I just had him come right up here and normally give the certificates to him, but I wanted to do this because of our time. I was getting, I went a little long-winded today. But uh, um, one of the things about Jordan, and in, in we were talking, is this is a beginning for you. Thank you. This is this is declaring to the world what God has done inside. It's an inward expression of an out, or an outward expression of an inward change. And so he's committing today. The old man is gone. The new has come. He is buried with Christ and risen with Christ. So I'm going to have you turn this way. It's, you'll probably have to get on your knees because this isn't. I'm short. 
Jordan, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and that you've surrendered your life to him? I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Come on down, Rebecca. Now, this is Rebecca, Jordan's wife. And uh, what does Jesus mean to you, Rebecca? Everything. He's always been there for me when I needed him the most. And uh, is this uh, is this your first time getting baptized? Yes. Awesome. So you're making a commitment today. You're making an ex expression of an outward expression of an inward change that you've given your life to Jesus, yes. right? Yes. Okay. Will you turn? Okay. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. This is Shelby. This is uh, Jordan and Rebecca's daughter. And uh, Shelby, what does Jesus mean to you? He's gave me life and everything I needed. Have you, have you noticed a change and just excitement? Yeah. All right. Well, do you believe that Jesus died on the cross? He's the way, the truth, and the life. And you've surrendered your life to him, right? Yes. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. This is why we do what we do. Jesus gets the credit. He's the one that did it. Let's pray real quick as we close. Father, we honor you. We praise you this morning for these three. The Lord buried their old man and came up new. As an outward expression of what you've already changed in their hearts. God, give them the strength. Give them the encouragement. Lead them through your word this year. Through the move of the Holy Spirit. Lord, be, you, we know that you're before them and behind them and you're inside of them. You've sealed them with the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you for this wonderful day. We thank you for those that are here today. And we honor and praise you in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Thank you for being here today. Don't forget we have church tonight at uh, 6 p.m.